Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Joining me now in studio in direct violation of my personal COVID policy from DKPittsburghSports.com. He is Serbian reactionary Dejan Kovacevic. Dejan, let's talk Penguins first. What's your take on the Murray deal? And then they pick a couple goaltenders with their first two choices, including the one acquired in uh, today's draft. I'm pleasantly surprised. Uh, as we've been saying here, you and I, uh, on, on this show in our segments for a while now, he was going to have a tough time with the unrestricted free agents that are out there that are that are going to be available on the market on Friday. Uh, that he was going to be well, and more Murray's contract demands and in his restricted free agents, which by the way weren't addressed at all today by the Ottawa Senators. But well, because we'll, uh, they can uh, afford it, they can, like, af- like, they can they're, afford they're, they're three not of any, them. Right, they're not anywhere near the cap floor, yeah. so Murray will get exactly what he wants. I I bet he gets seven million a year, and I bet he gets shot full of holes too. He's he's going to have a uh, he, uh, heavy workload up there, but uh, no, the fact that I, I've been saying all along that once. Mark Bergevin in Montreal was able to get Jake Allen uh, and, and, and had to give up a third rounder for it. I, I said, wow, okay, there's your bar. I mean, you have to do better than that. So I guarantee you that Jim Rutherford, in fact, I know this, was seeking a first rounder. He wasn't going to get it. But instead, Ottawa comes through with a second rounder and a 20-year-old prospect of some pedigree. Now, if Rutherford could do it over, would he keep Flurry and trade Murray? Because the return for Murray in 2017 would have been monstrous. Yeah, it would have. I'm I mean, not saying it's the wrong decision. Classic. Any GM would have done what Jim did. Yeah, that's the boy, problem. Who'd have thought it would turn no, out so bad? I know, but you know, the, the funny thing is, you can say the same thing on the other end of it. I mean, the the fact is, if you take Flurry's and Murray's stats, not to get into this all over again, but and you line them up over the last three years, Murray's had the better numbers and. Vegas is now trying to get rid of Flurry and offering to pick up half well, of his salary. There's so, some there's some irony there, but, but but no no no. Look in hindsight, yeah, obviously you keep Flower. But the, the, that decision wasn't made in hindsight. That decision was made in the moment, and it was run all the way up to the uh, all the way up to the very top, including Mario Lemieux and Ron Barkle. What happened to Murray here in Pittsburgh? Uh, because of the two cups, he got cut a lot of slack these past three years, but. These past three years, he was hurt a lot and really not that good. You know, the number one thing, Mark, and I, I just wrote about this for a column on the site that stands out to me is that he always needed to be pushed, and it needed to be some kind of external push. He needed to either have a backup who was a threat to him. He needed to have two or three bad games that threatened his starting starting position. And you heard that, Mark. You and I heard that from Mike Sullivan. We heard it on the record, off the record. We heard it from assistant coaches over the years. It had exasperated them. They knew, Mark, when they went into a game... Ten minutes after the opening draw, whether or not Muzz was going to be fighting to make saves that night, and you know what I'm talking about. No, no, I, I do. But, but and I talk- love the guy. I'm not ripping him, and I'm not kicking him on the way out. I've been saying this all along. Well, you talk about you know him needing to be pushed by his backup goalie, but he also needed to perceive the backup goalie as a threat. Yeah, which he didn't with Jari ever, despite Jari having a good year this past season and making the All Star game. In fact. Murray got indignant on several occasions with the coaches 
when he just mm-hmm. didn't get basically to play as many games as he wanted. Right. He, it, he couldn't believe that he wasn't the number one goalie, period. Right. No matter what. And i got to be honest, I didn't dislike the guy. Hearing all that made me like him a little less. Yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, he's competitive, and you're going to have that in professional athletics. That that's that's different. It, it, it's wanting just, it, wanting the job unconditionally when you're no, no, underperforming, no, no. I, I that's that, different. That was also his. This is my point here. This was his method of motivation. This was the thing that he would find in order to fight to make saves. And anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about there, I'm not talking about one-on-one battles or breakaways. I'm talking about fighting to see through traffic, uh, fighting to break through a bunch of sticks to make sure that you have a clear view of the shot. He wouldn't do that unless he was pushed. And if you're the Penguins, Mark, bottom line, you can't be ponying up anything remotely close to the kind of contract that he wanted, never mind the contract he actually wanted, if you didn't believe in him in that regard. No, no question. Now, was there a weakness that he developed these past uh, three years? I mean, ain't talking about glove, get it? Although it was criticized. I thought he started playing way too deep in the net, made himself small, and everything trickled from there. Yeah, the advanced metrics kind of dump on the, the glove thing when they, they break it down, and his glove hand is no better or worse than the rest of his game. But what he did do, you're right is that he he made himself small. When I think of the goals that he would allow, it would be uh, like the one to Suzuki from Montreal. Remember in the playoffs where he just he just shrunk and then the, and the puck goes over his right shoulder. Um, he wouldn't be as aggressive, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about the fighting mentality, the, the fighting aspect of it. When you think of Matt Murray, even in the championships runs, uh, in 2016 and 2017, after a loss, you could just see it right away that he looked more aggressive. He was more in tune with what he wanted to do, and he got it done. That's a heck of a thing for a head coach to have to deal with. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I, I do. But, uh, again, I think I think all of Murray's flaws are on him. I, I think he started oh, trying, yeah. to, trying to do new stuff like, you know, the uh, – the VH, the vertical horizontal pad stack, and he started letting in bad goals. Which he couldn't do. Tristan right. Jari can do that in his sleep, and, and Murray can't. Look, one thing I, I want to... Well, well but, but the thing is, Muzz would try all that stuff, yeah. and, and it just made him worse. I want to be careful here. This is just speaking for myself here, the, the last thing I want to do is kick the guy out, uh, on the way out of town. He won two championships. The Penguins only have five of them. Well, he won one and a half. He won one and a half, but he won the, the closing half. And, and he, and, and he and, won and, it against a very and, game opponent. And Flurry won the toughest series of those players. He did, but the Predators were no slouch. Oh, and, and, you're being too hard on yourself, Judge. You're a tremendous slouch. I'm, uh, but no, no, I, I agree. I think Murray Murray did good here, but I I can't ignore the last three years, which, by the way, is what he wanted the Penguins do to do. No, no, no. When I, it came I, to his contract, look, he put them into the and he put them and specifically Jim Rutherford into a spot where he had to do what he did today. And again, Rutherford did well with it. Probably better than most people had expected. We're talking today, John Kovacevic. He's brought to you by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar. Okay, the Tennessee Titans had unauthorized practices. There is maybe uh, uh, no. There definitely there's yeah. photographic evidence. Uh, I still don't think they should forfeit. I don't think they're going going to have to do that. But now I'm looking at a suspension for Vrabel, a huge fine, and losing the first draft pick, their first round pick. What do you think? Um. The problem with that is, like, that sounds good in a non-coronavirus year, in which, of course, we wouldn't even be talking about this. 
But I don't think that's going to apply here because the NFL is now stuck in a spot where it can't just keep manipulating its schedule over one rogue team that flaunted, not broke, flaunted the rules, flaunted the protocols. Okay, they're just in not going to forfeit. But it's a heck of a lot easier on the schedule, they're and it sends the most. It. You know, you can just keep saying that. You're, it's, it's, and, you, and when, you when they don't, I'll be right. It, but you never back it up with anything. Because they're just not going to forfeit. Well, what's that okay, mean? here's why they're not going right. to forfeit. They're not going to affect the competitive balance in the standings by making a decision off the field. They're just not going to do that. All right. You and I talked about this off the air. What if they pull an MLS, which coincidentally happened with Nashville? What can kick Tennessee out of the Throw league? Throw them out of the league for the year. Now, then you know you know what? The issue that, that you that just would, described? That would be better than forfeiting individual be, games. It would be fair because now if you're the Ravens or whoever, you're not saying, hey, the Steelers got a free win or the Bills, who are another AFC who are supposed to be the, the Titans' next opponent, and now I'm sure won't be, you're not doing anything unfair either there. You're just wiping them off the schedule. They're now just a, what would they be, a 3-13 and 13 team. Yeah, but that's almost unfair to the three teams they beat. No, it isn't because they were clean then. Well. They didn't break the rules then. They might have had COVID. Maybe they maybe they had false positives or false negatives. You I, have, I get the two you have to agree with me on this. You have to come down mercilessly hard but on this But not with team. forfeits. I would be for what anything. What is so sacred about the. Because I don't want games decided without having them played on the field. Throw them out of the league. That's different. Okay. That's different. I would rather That's see 13. I would okay ra- with 13 forfeits. I would, ra- to I would rather see that. Than, well, no, I would rather see that than two forfeits no, and then they keep playing. I hear that what would you're be saying. more fair, although still not ideal for me. Why are the Steelers doing How about so if well? The Steelers and Bills play each other. Oh, I would have no problem with that. Plus, it'd be a great game. Would be a great game. <laughs> why, why? Now, now, I will. I think Vrabel's a friggin' meathead. Meathead is I, the I, perfect term. I think he's a football uber allis type of guy. And one thing I give the Steelers credit for between Tomlin and Ben. They clearly have their team in check when it comes to COVID oh, protocol. It's, it's them. And it's, and it's, they're they're it's talking Cam, it and they're walking it's, it. It's Cam Hayward. It's Joe Hayden. It's the, the guys in there who push the buttons are, 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 are living it. They're living it on and off the field. Uh, you've heard Ben make those powerful remarks about how, hey, my kid's getting homeschooled and I'm going to and from the practice field and that's it. Um, that's what this right now is about. It's a, it's part of the competition and the coaches, and this applies to all sports, because I also heard this from Mike Sullivan over the summer. I heard this from Derek Shelton of the Pirates over the summer. It's part of the game right now. You have to keep available. It's that, part of the team spirit. What the, and that's what the Titans refuse to understand. That's what the meathead, from in this top, case, no, Vrabel. Top, top to bottom. This is why I, I sniffed this guy out. With that, that first press conference, I was watching this going, I, I can't believe this guy. He genuinely couldn't care less about this. Well, right, because because football is the it's be all end all. Yeah, the and rest it, of this it, is just a distraction to him. That's how he described it. No, no, no question. Uh, one thing about Ben, I, I want to mention because I think he's done a great job, like you said, marshalling uh, his team's sanity and responsibility in the in the wake of this, in the face of this COVID thing. But he keeps saying he needs to play better, and I actually agree. I mean, I, I would grade him a C plus for his performance so far this year. I think he's got to hit the deep ball better. I think he's behind his receivers a bit. And don't get me wrong, I'm not burying his performance, but I do think he has another level to get to and needs to get to 
because pretty soon the bigger kids start showing up at the playground. He does, it, and it's not just him though. When I think of Ben, I'm also thinking of the fact that you know, to a large extent, he still has to get used to. Don't laugh this off, Deontay Johnson. He hasn't had that many games with someone. Well, and, where and so Chase much Claypool required. and Eric Ebron, all those yeah, guys, and, all and, the new guys. And the number one for me on that list of guys that he has to get used to, and you talk about throwing deep, is James Washington. Uh, when you see Ben start connecting with number 13 deep downfield, you're going to see a very different-looking offense. Yeah, he's done it a couple of times with Claypool, but that's when you start spreading that field out down deep, and then Ben can start hitting some of those underneath passes that he's always been great at. Uh, they started that, Mark, in the last game. They certainly got the tight ends involved, both of them. Um, he's, I think he's being a little excessive in the in the self-criticism i'm trying to oh, find no, a nice no, way to no, say no. that I, I think he's doing it to make a point to others that they can improve they can as also well. that's what i mean but, but i but yeah. i but i think it's the, everyone i think the flaws he's pointed out in his game mm-hmm. are valid and i think the fact that he's a bit rusty is something he's noted and i agree with that hey before we wrap this up yeah uh, eddie van halen passed away yesterday you're a big rock music guy as am i nikki six called him the mozart of rock guitar and that might really be the best description I could think of. I, I love hearing from the elite rock musicians about how they he influenced them. He actually really didn't, though. Let me tell you a story. I I, I played. Well, he influenced uh, some guys, like but, Steve Vai tried to you copy know what I'm him, saying, but, but he can't though. That's the did, point. Well, that's right. Well, that, played, that was what made him great. I played, he, he did the whittly whittly stuff, yeah, all yeah. the finger tapping, but nobody else had the tone and texture and thickness that he had while playing that way. I'll. I'll I'll take this back. I played rock guitar in high school. I was in a band. It was mostly punk, but we also did some hard rock, some metal, and whatever. When I heard Eddie Van Halen, Mark, I was done. I was toast because I couldn't do that. I couldn't even figure out what he was doing from listening to it. Upon review, I could, you know, I, I know what hammering and I know what pull-offs are, and that's what he was doing with the strings, with his fingers, without the pick. The beauty of what he did, Mark, was that it was so original, so creative, so legitimately unique. People misuse that word a well, lot. Well, Alan Holdsworth invented no the finger one... tapping, but he took it to the next level. And what he did was he created a style and then perfected it at the same time. Right, but you said that no one had the, the whatever the, the, to do it. I'll say that no one he, had, he took it mainstream. No one had the courage. Updated and mainstream. No one had the courage to do it after Eddie Van Halen. And, and yet the sound is so powerful, so dynamic. You know what Van Halen is from hearing you know, a millisecond of a song from that sound that he created. Brilliant guitarist, brilliant overall musician. Didn't get enough credit for his keyboard work, his backup vocals, the oh, his, songwriting. His, song, his songwriting, songwriting was incredible. Songwriting was elite. You know what's great about his songwriting? I noted this in, in, in my blog today. Mm-hmm. Like, he could do throwaway stuff, and it would be great. Like, he dig out a cassette tape like seven years later, said, well, I could make a song out of this. That was where the last album came from, A Different Kind of Truth. That was all his old cassette tapes that he re-recorded and updated from, from the old days. Uh, there was a movie that came out in 84 called The Wildlife. Mm-hmm. It was Cameron Crowe. Yeah. It was meant to be the, the uh, sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Not, not the same characters, but you know the same kind of yeah, feel, yeah. and it wasn't. It was okay. But he did the soundtrack. And it was fantastic. It's unbel- it was the best part of the movie. Full page ad in Cream Magazine when Van Halen 2 came out was, if you don't like Van Halen, you're wrong. Right, no. And best the, ad campaign you'll ever hear for anything. Cream Magazine, best rock and roll magazine ever. That's Dejan Kovacevic. I'm Mark Madden. It's time now to ask Mark anything.